Finding root causes is the enhanced cause effect approach. Welcome to the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast, episode 29. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I am Georg Lohrer, and this is the podcast dedicated to challenges within the embedded systems realm. I tell you the know-how and teach you the ways to succeed and overcome your daily obstacles and roadblocks in embedded systems projects. Again, an episode about finding root causes for your problems. You might remember episode 9 with the 5 whys analysis and episode 14 I have introduced the Ishikawa diagram. In this episode now we have the enhanced cause effect diagram. It's my personal favorite. It's, from my perspective, it's by far the best approach to handle complex failure scenarios. The enhanced cause-effect diagram provides a different picture of a situation, different than the five whys or than the Ishikawa. Um, I, it will give you the opportunity to manage different levels of complexity in a very harmonized and, if you have gotten familiar with it, also a very handsome way. It's still far away from being easy, yeah? but that's none of these root cause tools. We all have to deal with the fact that you have to think the opposite way as regularly. And again, you find links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 29. And now, before starting into the real story, I want to announce that I will be at the Embedded World in Nuremberg. The exhibition starts at the 23rd. No, it starts even before, but I will visit at the 23rd of February. Have a look at the announcement at the end of this episode where I go further into details. But now, stay tuned and be inspired. For all the ones in the audience who have already listened to my previous episodes about the five wise and Ishikawa, welcome back. This is a story here now about a different approach. And you are already old fellows, so maybe it's a good opportunity to get something to get into something new. For all the others, maybe you are already um, familiar with uh, this kind of root cause analysis. On the other side, it might be helpful to have a first view into the five whys analysis at least, because it gives some kind of a basic education of how root cause analysis is done. So have a look in the episode number nine. All of these root cause tools have more or less disadvantages or also drawbacks. The five why is more or less unidimensional. So you have always the problem that you need to follow a very strict rule of uh, what follows what, what is the cause of the previous effect. So all the time it's the same. And sometimes you come into situations where it's really hard to decide. And when you have to go one way, and sometimes it's it's even not possible. And then you run into problems with the five why. It's not, it's not appropriate at that point. The Ishikawa, however, it might become, at least as I have experienced it, rather quickly very overcomplicated. So it's a rather complex way of achieving root causes. It's a very complete way. So don't misunderstand it. It's always something good if you do an Ishikawa, but sometimes it really costs a lot of time, especially if you do the categorization and you need to have some kind of artificial separation of, of cause and effects. You might run into problems. What I was looking for a very long time was something which is more handsome, 
but does not uh, oversimplify the situation or does not press me into some specific way to handle things like the 5Y will do. I run sometimes in the situation to have a rather complicated cause and effect situation and when I needed a more, much more better, more appropriate tool. What I was looking for is some kind of multidimensional approach on one side and on the other side to be rather free in the arrangement. And here, the cause effect, or better, the enhanced cause effect approach comes very handsome for me. But first, what's the cause effect? So, what does that mean? From the meaning, it's more or less obvious, of course, yeah? So, you have some kind of a, if you use it by a diagram, you have on one side, on the left side, in, in Western terms, it's on the left side, you have the box showing the effect. It's named, for example, effect. And on the right side, you have another box, and this box is named cause. And then you have an arrow pointing from the right, from the cause, to the left, to the effect. So meaning, this cause causes this effect. And therefore, it's named cause, and the other one is named defect. There is always some kind of cause-effect relationship between these two entities, these two items, inside of the box. It's, again, some kind of a graphical-based approach. It's very handsome if you have a graphical pine painting tool. Whatever you will use, it should be appropriate to, uh, point, to paint boxes quite easily and to put some text inside. I, for example, do that with PowerPoint, for example, if you're on the Microsoft side. If you are familiar with the Ishikawa approach, when you already know this kind of cause-effect relationships, the question is now, how do you interpret or how do we interpret this kind of cause-effect diagrams? As I mentioned, we started on the left side. There, remember, there's the box with the effect. That means we do have some kind of a problem. So our problem situation, that's the effect we observe or the phenomenon. And now we are simply asking, why do we have this effect? We simply have to note it down. A typical question might be, why did this effect happen? The next step would be use the found cause again as an effect. So start from the beginning then. So that means you have on the left side you have the you have the final effect you which is a problem for you, which is the so-called phenomenon or the situation. Then you say, okay, I find the first cause of that effect. And then you simply at the moment you have noted it down, you interpret it in a different way. You say, again, this is, of one side, it's the cause, but now I take it as an effect again. And then I say, okay, why did this effect happen? And when I go backwards, so everybody of you will recognize the five why in that. That's more or less exactly the same. So as mentioned, we need a more appropriate tool to main, maintain more complicated cases or more complicated problems. Especially if you imagine that there are multiple goals of the product or of the, of the situation are affected. In the most situations, in the most problem situations, you don't have only one goal affected. Let's take a simple example. You go to a restaurant to have a dinner. Uh, okay, one goal will be that you are hungry and you want to get some food. So that's one goal. That must be sufficient. But on the other side, maybe you have your spouse with you and then you say, okay, 
I want to have a very lovely evening or I want to enjoy this evening. Therefore, the environment must be fine. And then the third one, it's something like you don't want to get attacked by someone in the, in, in, of the other guests in the restaurants, more or less accidentally. So you don't like that uh, the glass of wine is put on your trousers or anything like that. So you have different goals during the same, uh, during the same situation or in the same situation. And there is also the opposite one. You might not only have multiple goals, but you might have also multiple courses and these multiple courses might impact only one of your one of your effects or one of your goals finally or multiple of them so you see it's it's not something like uh, as it's indicated in the 5y always a one to one connection but it might be a one to m or it might be m m to n connection so that heavily depends on the situation where you are in or or the or the problem itself there is very often that you have more than one cause for one effect, the typical one to N situation. And hereby, the different causes might be connected by end. So you must have all three of them be available, but you have one particular effect. There might be also multiple effects out of one cause. And then these effects might be connected by or or end, it, it depends on the situation. But you see, you get more freedom with such an approach if you, if you take the opportunity, if you take the fact that you can use uh, multiple effects and you can combine it with multiple courses. Your uh, level of freedom is much more bigger. The handling of complexity is far more easy when you do it or when you can do it with the five whys. This is a very let's say, theoretical way to explain it. And uh, I have thought a rather long time about what can I do for you? And I said, okay, the best thing would be to have an example. And when I considered a long time, and I have to admit, I have made this kind of root cause analysis and cause effect diagrams uh, mainly for very particular problems within the embedded systems world. And they might be not understandable for persons who are outside of that environment. I got, for example, the feedback about the session with Jürgen Salm about hardware and software integration, where we were talking about different levels, about different planes, and it was not obvious what's the idea of these kind of planes underneath. And therefore, for this particular example here, for the, uh, uh, for the enhanced cost-effect diagram or approach, I thought to have a more general example something everybody of you can can understand and i can explain rather easily i got a very good example from thinkreliability.com thinkreliability.com is a company who has specialized themselves on providing solutions and rcas for a broad variety of industries i i give you the link to this example also in the show notes so when you can read in details. And there are also a lot of other examples inside of uh, the website by, uh, by Think Reliability. Have a look at that. It's a great website. By the way, we offer also free webinars. So it might be an opportunity for you to get, get, um, get some details there. Okay, the example I've selected is the Titanic. You remember 1912, an iceberg luxury liner, safest, safest ship at that time. A big tragedy, 1,500 people died, and 
all that jazz. So it's really, really a big tragedy. And but it's on despite of that, it's a rather good example to explain a complexity of, of a root cause analysis. Let me jump into it. The Titanic was on its way from Europe to um, to North America in the four, at the 14th of April 1912. Uh, the time was roughly 20 minutes to midnight, and uh, at that time the iceberg was hit. And approximately, it was 20 minutes past two o'clock a.m. in the morning of the 15th uh, April the ship was under the surface. So we are talking roughly about two hours and 40 minutes for the whole tragedy. We have had something like 2,200 people on board. Okay, let's start. How do we do this kind of root cause analysis using the enhanced cause-effect approach? First of all, we have to get aware of what are the goals. So, I mean, in this case, what are the goals of this product? What are the goals of this ship? What are the goals of the Titanic? First of all, there is, of course, one goal for the shipping company. It's money. This ship needed to earn money. So the ship must be available, by the way, to earn money. So it's uh, as it sunk afterwards, it might, will have a big impact on, the, on this goal. But this is the intended use or the, in the, the intention of such a shipping company to earn money, finally. And there is another major goal for this kind of vessels. It's it's the intention is it's as it's a transport mechanism or transporting uh, as a transport ship it's the main impact the main goal is safety so bring people safe from point a to point b these vessels need to be safe so nobody is allowed to be harmed nobody should be affected zero injuries that's a very strict goal there are other goals, of course, but there are more sub-goals, like, for example, amusement. So that's, of course, no real goal because it's simply also a sub-goal of money and a little bit also of safety. Another question is, if we take these two goals into account, so we have the money and we have the safety, and the question is now, how does the sank of the ship really impacted these goals? First of all, we do it that way. We create two boxes on the very left side, and in one box we write in impact on money, and in the other in the other box we write impact on safety. These are the final effects of that whole scenario. Okay, now let's start. So we have a very first cause, and we have a very first if effect. The first effects I've just mentioned, impacts on money and safety, but what are the first causes? And a very, a very harsh impact uh, has the, it, it's the most obvious one, the ship sank. Yeah, the, the whole ship was lost. This has a direct impact on the money. And it's the first box on the right of the impact on money box. So that the, the ship has sank has a direct impact on the money. And on the other side, for the safety, we have the loss of 1,500 lives. And therefore, this one has the major impact on the safety. Well, the most obvious question now is, of course, why did the Titanic sank? Of course, that's the most important question here. And it's very easy to answer. It's it, The ship hits the iceberg. 
And after it has hit the iceberg, it had got filled with water. And roughly, as mentioned, at 2.20 in the, in the morning, it has gone beyond the surface of the water. And therefore, we, we have finally had all these victims. So now ha let's have a look at the at the boxes. So on on the left side we have the safety goal impacted. We have a loss of 1500 lives. So that's the next box on the right side with an error from this to the safety goal. And then we have an impact that we say okay, we have the Titanic sank and uh, this is again impacting the loss of 1500 lives or it's the direct cause of that. And then the question was, why did the Titanic sink? Yeah, the water filled the whole ship. So, and that's why it sank finally. So that's the next cause of the effect. The effect is Titanic sank. And then again, we go backwards and say, okay, why the hell did the water fill the whole ship? Yeah, and then it was easy to say, okay, the ship hits the iceberg, but that's that there is a, there is a missing gap in between. You see, because if if you hit the iceberg, it's not necessary that the that the water fills the ship. It might be simply scratching the the, the iceberg, and therefore there must be something in between. And then it was something like that the the steel plates or the steel of the ship outside that buckled, so it scrambled together and therefore there get hole inside holes inside of the, of the hull of the of the ship and there the water can inject into the into the vessel and that finally made the water fill the whole ship and then again the titanic sank and we have that 1500 lives lost and that has the impact on the safety goal okay let's take a, a little bit of closer look to this what happens at the moment the hull breaks and there is an opening in the in the outside of the ship um, as mentioned there are steel steel plates on the outside and these steel plates we get buckled somehow and the question now is yeah how did that happen and what are the what are the impacted causes of that first of all we have one cause that's obvious it the ship hits the iceberg but there is another one imagine uh, not everything which is scratching you makes some makes some injury. It depends on how harsh how hard your surface is. So it means if the surface of the Titanic would have been that that strong, that firm, that it won't break. Uh, if the if an iceberg hits the ship, when there wouldn't have been no vulnerabilities or any other kind of harm. And therefore, it's a different cause. So we have now we have now first time the situation where we have two causes impacting one effect. So the that the steel plates got buckled is impacted by one the strength of strength of the steel, the strength of the hull, and on the other side where the ship hits the iceberg. Both things must come together when you have the situation. That that must be clear. So it's all the time you have to look for details which come in close, which come together, which come in parallel. And this kind of situation then cause um, a situation in the diagram that you can end the two causes. Very shortly, the strength of the hull or the, the, the thickness of the steel plates is of course impacted by the weight of the ship and whether it's really carried by the water surrounding it and therefore also depending on the on the carry load of the, of the ship itself. Therefore, it couldn't be infinitely strong, but there must be some, some kind of a mixture, but it has an impact. And there is a second impact on that. So the strength of the hull, of the hull is not only impacted by the thickness of the steel plate, but it's also impacted by the by the rivets, 
it depends on how strong the rivets are or how strong the connection are the connections are and this you know that if you fly in an airplane you always if you look for the wings and you come in strong to some yeah some strong weather you see that there might be the the, the wings are waving up and down and you might come to the conclusion why does it not break yes it's simple like that because it's connected via rivets it's not soldered it's not wired in any other way it's not one piece it's it's connected together but it has some little point of flexibility in that there is a very exciting film showing the the a380 airbus and we have one wing and they stretch it that high towards the ceiling of the of the hole there until it breaks but it's an, a tremendous amount of angle which was achieved and here it's it's the same so the strength of the steel the strength of the hull is impacted by the strength of the rivets and they again have an impact on the on the opening in the hull of course as mentioned before okay on this line we cannot come any closer we cannot go forward with that so we have to concentrate on the other side that we say okay what's the other uh, what's the second cause for the effect that the steel plates are buckled, uh, then it's the ship hits the iceberg. And that's the very amazing question in all that discussions about the Titanic, of course. Why did this ship hit the iceberg? And now you have to do something rather, yeah, theoretical, a little bit academic. You have to evaluate all the causes of uh, why the ship hits the iceberg. Very often people come along and say, yeah, if there would have been no iceberg, it wouldn't have hit it. Yeah, that's true. And so you should add it. Don't discuss with the people about that. So if it's a if it's a reasonable cause that uh, the accident or that the effect would not have happened, then add it. Don't discuss. So simply add it. You can the question is furthermore that or the, the idea of this root cause analysis is always to get some improvements and to find solutions for the next time what you but it does not happen again. And then you can say, okay, we don't have to take care for that because it's whatsoever you, you find there. But this is a very, very strong indication here to simply take it. Take it and say, yes, that's fine. The iceberg was present or needs to be present. But what else? There is another cause which seems to be ridiculous, but it's also true. And to have the full the full cause effect diagram, it's mandatory to have it also. The ship must be in the water. The iceberg could only hit the the Titanic if the Titanic is in the way of the iceberg exactly at that point. And therefore, a valid cause that the ship hits the iceberg is that the ship is in the water. By the way, you can be sure that this kind of, uh, yeah, maybe nasty uh, discussions are relevant if you come closer to very sophisticated customers who are very eager to understand the situation or much more better, if they want to know that you as a, as a manufacturer have, have understood the problem. And here it's quite very essential to have also these nitpicking details be added. So we have two Two things already here, two causes which are essential Essential when the ship hits the iceberg. The iceberg must be present and in the way of the ship and the ship must be in the water. Or let's say it in the other way, if we could control this kind of, of scenarios, uh, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have the accident. And therefore now let's come to the third cause that the ship hits the iceberg. And I think that's the most important one and maybe the, the one which is really we are really interested in. 
at the moment, the the captain detects that there is an iceberg in our way. We try to turn around the ship quickly, but we weren't quick enough. And that was the big problem. Let's go a little bit to this direction to say, okay, why didn't the ship turn quick enough? And here we have, uh, we have again more or less something like three different reasons. First reason is the ship was quite quite fast. We have 18 knots. That was something like 35 kilometers per hour. That's for a, a vessel in that size, rather quick. And the, especially at the time of 1912. And here it's something we have to admit, yeah, if you then detect something, it's, yeah, it's like if you drive with the car, if you're faster when it's, when it's good for you, then you will have to crash finally. A second point which impact the turn rate or the turn time of, of such a ship is the size of the rudder. If the ship has a rather small rudder, then you have the problem that it does not turn around quick enough because the resistance of the water impacting the direction of the ship is not strong enough and therefore the, the change of the direction is not fast enough. And last not least, the iceberg was seen too late. There were no binoculars on the, on the bridge. You know these kind of uh, additional, uh, let's say, additional optical instruments. You look in the, in the downside and there are some tubes to the upside and, and increasing the, the angle you can view. And we have a strong optical classes inside where you can see also rather good in the night. And if we would have such, we, got, we might have gotten the appropriate amount of time to, even with a small rudder and a high speed, to turn around the ship and do not crash into the iceberg as we have done. So finally, impacting the, the safety goal, we are now more or less close to the end of, the, of this story. Let's simply summarize again. I will simply take one of the biggest lines from, from the right side to the left side and uh, take you with me here. If we start with there are no binoculars on the bridge, when we uh, saw the iceberg too late, we have a small size of the rudder and we have a high speed. That impacts that the ship didn't turn sufficiently. On the other side, we have also that the iceberg was present and that the ship was in the water and we were crossing the Atlantic here. And we were transporting all the passengers, of course. And that, all three things together, caused that the ship hits the iceberg. And the ship hits the iceberg is one aspect, but on the other side, there was the strength of the hull impacted by the strength of the rivets. These two causes, again, impacted that the steel plates on the hull of the, of the vessel buckled and uh, scratched and opened and created this opening. And this again caused that the water filled the complete vessel and that it could sunk. Then the, as the Titanic sank, we lost the entire ship and that finally has had a big impact on the, on the safety goal. Now it's up to you to fill my verbal explanation with your graphical fantasy. Put in the different courses, which are effects at the same moment, into painted boxes. Consider the various parallel courses which need to take place in the same situation, thus combined with an AND connection. And consider the arrows connecting the course boxes that the succeeding effect boxes, which become course boxes for the succeeding effects. So you see, everything is connected there. And you understand the mechanism. Take all the relevant causes to create an effect and combine them with an AND clause. Causes impacting multiple different effects, however, will have multiple arrows pointing to the destination effect boxes. In my opinion, it will become much more clearer for you if you 
if you have a look at the picture provided by Think Reliability, as I have linked in the show notes at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 29. Finally, you get an impressive and enhanced cause effect diagram if you follow that approach. This kind of cause effect diagrams are verbose. Starting from the very right with the initial causes, following the errors from one cause to the next effect, and finally ending in the impact to the original goals. So you have a complete picture of that. But I know this now was a quite sad example. I hope I haven't spoiled the party for you guys. It should be only an educative example. And let's face it, root cause analysis are never fun stories. I have never seen someone doing root cause analysis work smiling the whole day. Therefore, it's even more important you keep a smile in your heart. And herein, I wanted to assist you. From the 23rd to the 25th, February 2016, the Embedded World takes place in Nuremberg. It's the leading international fair for embedded systems. For all of you visiting this exhibition, what about meeting together? I will be there at the 23rd. Drop me a note or send me a tweet and let's have a listeners meeting. I am visiting this fair with a clear goal in my pocket. At the end of my visit, I want to have at least 10 interview appointments in my calendar. And here is what I wanted to offer to all of you. You have your preferred supplier, your most beloved vendor or your most interested manufacturer? And you wanted to know something specific or something in general? Let me know what it is and that this company is presenting in Nuremberg. I'll do my very best to agree an interview that you guys get your details in one of the next episodes. The only thing you need to do is to drop me a note, tweet to me, send me a message. Whatever is needed to contact me, I would be very happy to support you. Feedback. On my structure of the, of the episode, it's feedback. What about feedback? Yeah, yeah give it to me. At embeddedsuccess.com feedback, you find the form to contribute and as always, I would be delighted to receive your words. And I would be really happy if you would promote this podcast, either directly to your friends or by spending your rating at iTunes or Stitcher. Both ways are appreciated. This was the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I hope you got some inspiration, some ideas or simply some entertainment with this episode. I'm Georg Lohre from the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. Thank you for listening.